The Spatial Jam, an Esri UK podcast. Using imagery can really help us understand transportation issues that I think we're seeing across the world. How are people actually using imagery data? We can really now combine the power of remote sensing and imagery analysis with the power of GIS. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spatial Jam podcast. Thanks for joining us this week as we talk about all things imagery. So it doesn't matter if you're an avid user of imagery data or you've used it once upon a time for that long lost university assignment. This episode will cater to all backgrounds to help us understand the role that imagery data plays in GIS. My name is Sam Barr, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Beth Adams, to unravel all things imagery, which to me and my very limited perspective is often a base map, but actually I understand there is so much more to talk about. Yeah, and to help us out today, we're joined by a special guest on the podcast, Zoe Taylor. Zoe works in the professional services team here at UK, and she has a diverse skill set that spans many, many topics. And one of which, luckily for us, is imagery. So thanks for joining us, Zoe. Thanks for having me. It's actually really nice to have you on, Zoe, because it's a bit of a full circle moment for me. Um, I don't know if you remember, but my first professional services uh, on-site visit was shadowing you looking at uh, imagery data with a customer. So it's quite nice to kind of just feels like a very full circle moment to come back to talk about imagery with you on today's podcast. I do remember. And that was a scarily long time ago now. <laughs> it was, yeah. We won't mention how long ago. <laughs> so I want to kick off the uh, the episode by asking you, Zoe, um, you know, why is imagery exciting? Um, obviously, there's so many things about it, but what is it to you that is exciting? I think for me, it's the kind of the last five years or so, imagery's become far more integrated into the platform. So we can really now combine the power of remote sensing and imagery analysis with the power of GIS and get way more out of it than we ever could before. Yeah. And and there's so much changing with imagery. Um, Beth, what have you observed from the sort of recent years of imagery and, and what do you think is now changing? So I wouldn't say it's necessarily recent years, um, but I was thinking about this the other day that, you know, when I was a child, you'd have people come around trying to sell you aerial photos of your house where they'd flown over um, and people would buy them because you've never really seen the top of your house before. These days, you can obviously go look on Google Earth um, and find it. You can go look on any imagery base map. But also, if you have a few thousand pounds to spare, you know, who doesn't these days, you can go and task a satellite to take pictures anywhere in the world. Like, that's just mind blowing for me. I think it's just, yeah, ridiculous how far we've come in regards to that. So I've never actually experienced that, but people used to knock on your door and sell you a picture of your house from a a plain imagery, like a view. Yeah, obviously I'm much older than you, Sam. So, (laughs) um, you know, (laughs) it was a long time ago. But yeah, people used to just um, knock on the door completely unannounced and and sell you photos of something you owned. That's pretty cool. And then along came Google Earth and changed everything. Exactly. Pretty much. And Zoe, is there anything from from your perspective that you've noted that is, is massively changing within imagery? Oh, it's huge. There's the the volume of imagery has increased massively. Like Beth was saying, you can now task satellites. So if, for example, a humanitarian disaster happens, there are lots of satellite companies out there that can just go and task a task a, task a satellite and check on the area of damage. And then we can assess that from there. 
almost instantaneously. We've got programs like Sentinel and Landsat. All of that data is available on the Living Atlas, so you can get that at the touch of a button. It's, it's just massive. The volumes is probably the one thing that's changed the most. And then when you think about the ability to then combine that with GIS and our vector data, the possibilities are endless. And so you say, obviously, there's there's more content out there and, and you know, there's just more of everything. Um, is it easier to use? And like, what kind of um, software do we have available to use all of this imagery data? Yeah, it's loads, loads easier than it ever has been before. It's completely fully integrated into the Arctis system. We've got image server if you want to use your imagery in an enterprise. We've got image analyst for Arctis Pro, which is an extension that lets you do way more um, in-depth analysis, raster analysis, that kind of thing. Um, but probably the most exciting thing is the recent addition of um, Arctis Image and Arctis Online. Mm-hmm. Basically, that means that anyone can upload imagery into Arctis Online and it, it's like a software as a service. So it will host the imagery for you. You don't need to worry about complicated image management, having big systems and lots of storage. And then you can do the analysis right there and then in the web, yeah. which for me just brings imagery to everyone. And is that the tool? I think I've seen that it has sort of some machine learning uh, capabilities analysis with it. Is that the the one I'm thinking about? Yeah. So all of the imagery tools include some level of machine learning. Um, There's a lot of deep learning packages out there, some of which you can access through Arches Online and the rest through Image Server or even just Pro. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's definitely a trend in where things are going. Um, But I think, yeah, for to pick up on that point, I've seen so many sort of different things on Arches Online now and, and apps that you can view different imagery data i know the sentinel 2 uh, data that comes in the imagery data is i i think there was a volcano that happened um i don't even know when a couple of years ago and you can see because of the the temporal resolution or the the how the frequency of when the image is taken you can kind of see the before during and after impact of that uh, volcano eruption and kind of the impact on the surrounding area and then within arcgis online do sort of run analysis on you know, a spectrum of different um, different parts of the imagery. And I think that is is sort of so much further than, you know, when I was studying at uni, that's like come leaps and bounds from, from what you could do back then. So uh, interesting to kind of pick up on some of the apps that have come out. And, and Beth, I was going to ask you if you've seen any different uh, apps that have come out in, to facilitate this, this use of imagery. Yeah, there's some really good ones out there, actually. You can go and explore the Sentinel data and also the Landsat data um, through online apps and you can compare two different images from different times. And you can also just really easily do analysis, things like burn analysis. You just click a few buttons and it does it for you. So you don't need to know you know, how to set it up, what it's doing in the background. It just does all the analysis and then you can export that as a feature service out so that you can see it in ArcGIS Online and use it elsewhere. So I'd say that's a really easy way for any of our listeners to go out there and just try it out. So um, look for Sentinel or Landsat Explorer or the Landsat Viewer as well. They're all really easy to use apps. And all of these sort of Landsat Sentinel, they're all uh, accessible for all Esri users. Is that, that correct? Yes. So even if you're not um, an Esri user, you can go and look at them to start with. Um, You'll only be able to see the latest imagery. If you sign in with an ArcGIS Online account, you will then be able to put in different dates. So, you know, if you wanted to see that that before and after for, you know, the volcanoes in um, the Canary Islands, for example, right now, you could go and do that. Um, So, yeah, it's it's much more, um, there's much more functionality for Esri users, but anyone can have a look at it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And and beyond the, the two that we've just mentioned, um, Zoe, do you know if, about any sort of further content, imagery content that people can get their hands on and where would they find that? Yeah, there's absolutely loads. We've got partnerships with Maxar and Planet. They provide um, Sentinel um, satellite imagery. Um, Planet, for example, allow you to do that tasking of satellites if you need to. And then you've got other types of data which come under the kind of the imagery banner, you know, stuff like um, elevation is available in the Living Atlas or even kind of already derived products. So, for example, Natural England have done exactly what Beth was talking about, and um, they've identified burnt areas and cut areas in heather, and they've actually published a layer to the Living Atlas for moorland change. So you don't necessarily have to look for the imagery, but also kind of the derived products from the imagery can also be really useful in your analysis. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting, and I feel like you've uh, you've been reading my notes, because my next question to you, Zoe, was actually how are people uh, actually using imagery data? Because... You know, I feel like we've we've between us we've got 101 different examples of uh, somewhere where we've seen imagery being used in a cool and fascinating way. Um, like how how have you observed sort of uh, the the usage of it within the GIS? Yeah, so that moorland change one's a good example, and I suppose environmental uses is a common one. Um, so even things like identifying areas of po possible river pollution. So um, you can look at slope combined with bare earth, and you can see areas where if it rains, it's likely you're going to get a lot of runoff and river pollution, which is particularly important for kind of environmental organisations that are trying to prevent that. Um, one of the best ones I've seen recently is Esri have just released a deep learning package to look at SAR imagery so that's the Sentinel-1 mm -hmm. satellite data and they're actually using that to automatically detect ships that's which cool. is really really interesting for things like port management um, rescue missions looking at cargo transmissions around the world so that's probably one of the neatest ones I've seen recently yeah and Beth, you were talking about uh, the port in California this morning, weren't you? About how they've got a 40-ship queue or something waiting to dock uh, in, was it LA? Yeah, there's two ports in California that take most of the shipping in for America. And normally you'd get one ship waiting to go in and they've currently got 40. So I think, you know, some of these um, machine learning examples or using imagery can really help us understand just that the sheer volume of um, transportation issues that I think we're seeing across the world. You know, it's not just the UK that's got shortages of, you know, important things like toys for Christmas, but you know, it's it's all around all all around the world as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, you kind of touched on that, Zoe, about the sort of machine learning element of uh, imagery. I think uh, the recent product released by Esri called the Land Cover, well, it's the 2020 Land Cover data set. It's um, just been announced this summer and was released into the Living Atlas. And it is essentially a, a global data set that shows or categorizes every section of land into one of eight categories, I think it is. Uh, and they use machine learning to essentially identify the different areas and uh well yeah just just work out what the on average over the whole year sort of based on i think 50 or 60 different uh, image data sets they basically calculated what the average um sort of response was and then used machine learning to kind of to say you know this is built up area this is trees this is forest uh which i thought was you know too good to be true and then i explored the data and uh yeah it literally is the the entire world and it's so so interesting and then they went and dropped a couple of weeks later they dropped a prediction predictive land cover data set for 2050 so you can now go and see you know based again on machine learning the they i think they mapped 
uh, it was like 20, early 2010s and then to 2020, and they used that 10-year period to then say, okay, well, in 40 years' time, what on this trajectory, what are we going to look like? What areas are growing? What areas are decreasing? Uh, and now they have a 2050 land cover data set, which is, uh, kind of blew my mind when I was looking at it. Um, but it's, it's so fascinating to see the power of machine learning. Oh, definitely. And those kind of things are, are going to be, they've always been the core of imagery analysis, things like image classification, object detection, and deep learning and all the different packages that we can build around those are just going to increase that capability even more. You know, we've got things that you can now automatically detect trees and you can detect roofs and roof types. And again, kind of similar to the ship one, that all that kind of stuff can be useful in lots of different situations. And actually, just to dive in there, so if anyone is really interested in the sort of machine learning element of GIS uh, and how it's sort of used within the Esri system, um, we actually fortunately recorded a, a podcast episode, I think episode three on machine learning, where we had a, a really good guest on um, Richard to talk about machine learning. So if you want to dive into that and haven't listened to it already, definitely explore some of our rep- other episodes to find out a bit more there. Um, but actually just to, to move things on again, you know, I'm really interested to see how other people are using it. And some of the examples that I've seen more recently, you you mentioned already planes flying over, you know, houses to take pictures, satellites and various different types of satellites. But one of the more recent uh, ways of capturing imagery data is through drones. Um, Zoe, have you sort of seen much about that um, and and what, what kind of imagery is available through drone capture? Yeah, again, another massively expanding field Um, and actually a lot of options in the system to be able to use drone imagery. We've got things like SiteScan that give you that kind of end-to-end SaaS offering. So you can do all the way through from flight planning, it uploads the imagery to the cloud, and then you can use SiteScan to create your 2D and 3D products. So things like 3D meshes and point clouds. Um, If you're not interested in necessarily having um, the end-to-end offering, you can just use Drone-to-Map to to process the imagery on your desktop. Um, Or if you've already got Pro and you just want to do a bit of ortho mapping, that's another option. But I suppose the most exciting thing is a new product called Sure for ArcGIS, which creates these amazing true ortho images at scale really, really accurate 3D meshes, and you can completely transform your imagery and the uses for it. Uh, And so just to ask, I don't actually know what ortho mapping is. Uh, Could you quickly explain that? That's probably a key thing to have mentioned at the beginning. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Um, so ortho mapping is basically when you, it's the process of stretching an imagery to match the spatial accuracy of the map. So mm-hmm. when imagery is taken, it might be taken at an angle. And it's that kind of process of using a combination of the location, elevation data and information from the sensor itself to kind of put that image into coordinate space. So into our map space that we're all used to as GIS lovers. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. But there's this amazing new tool that means that you can look at both the top-down imagery um, that we are all used to in our kind of map space at the same time as looking at it in what we call image space. So that's if you have an image that's been taken from an oblique angle, like, for example, a plane flying down a coastline, you can view the imagery at the angle the plane took it at in a program called Arcturus Excalibur. And the really amazing thing about that is you can capture data in either or of the two views. So you could draw around the roof of a building, for example, if you want to capture building polygons, and then that will appear on the image space map. So one really good use case of this is in disaster response situations. So you could get a plane to fly an area that's been damaged by, say, an earthquake, and then you can view the spatial distribution of damage, but view the actual damage on the image space image. A lot of images, but 
but I, I think that, that makes a lot of sense because if there was like you know buildings that are, uh, sort of crumbled down, would you be able to do a before and after comparison of the space? Is that what essentially what you can do? Yeah. So the tool itself has a swipe tool, so you can kind of swipe back and forth and determine whether a damage whether the building was damaged by the event you're interested in, and then you can also collect vector data on top of that. So then you could do some kind of um, time analysis based on that vector data of say damaged or not damaged, and create you know then create different apps all in the ArcGIS system. So you, you know create a dashboard based on that data so you're not just interested in the original imagery but you manage to create other useful products from it yeah that's really cool and i i feel like we could you know keep talking about the different examples of how and where people are using it or customers are using it um i just find it so fascinating to see the applications of imagery in literally all corners of gis um but also what i'm fairly interested in as well is to to understand what's coming up you know for imagery is obviously quite an exciting space at the moment within gis so zoe could you tell us a little bit more about what is coming up within imagery Uh, what else have we got to look forward to for me, I think oriented imagery is going to be a big one in the future. So that's looking at data imagery collected from kind of street level. Mm-hmm. So collecting um, images on your mobile phone, if you know the height of your phone and the angle you're pointing it at, um, and your phone has um, GPS enabled, you can then project those images onto a map. That's cool. And there are other organizations that do kind of drive-throughs and you can combine that data and build 3D meshes from that. Just to dive in there, Beth, have you sort of seen... Uh in your in the content space have you seen any of our partners been using this this technology yeah so we've got one psycho media that we've been working really closely with and um you know some of the things that you can do with their data you can measure things like accessibility of curbs so you know if you've got drop curbs can a disabled person actually use that pavement that kind of thing um or you know measuring for utilities you know how far is it from the pavement to the manhole cover do they need to dig up the road do they um, you know, do they need to close a road to do works and things like that? Um, so there's a lot of really interesting use cases for things like this that we just haven't had in the past because you've either had an image that you could potentially derive things from maybe on a manual or visual basis, but now we actually have that data sitting behind it in the point cloud, as Zoe talked about, which you can use for um, you know, full-blown analysis and, and measuring and things like that. So it's a really interesting space that's kind of coming um, to the forefront now as well. So that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zoe, we talked about uh, multidimensional data earlier as well as a, a, an element of imagery that's that's coming up. Could, could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so multidimensional is definitely another space that's going to grow. Um, So looking at data that's not just um, an image, a pixel on a map, but looking at lots of different information all combined. So weather data is a good example. It happens at a certain time in a certain location, but it also includes things like temperature, rainfall amount, um, which strictly you could argue would be hard to display on a map because that's a lot of different attributes all happening at once. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have a new capability capability called space time cubes which allow you to slice the data in lots of different ways um, to gain more insight from it Mm -hmm. so that's definitely something to look out for and have a play with if you've never used that before is that displayed in the voxel layers is that the that was new to pro 2.8 i think which was the multi-dimensional kind of minecrafty looking 3d thing that you could create i think that's multi-dimensional space time cube things is that the thing you're referring to yes all very new age and all very exciting yeah probably the worst description of it but it, it it looks quite cool uh, from a cartographer's perspective. I, it piqued my interest, definitely. 
but you've got to make sure that your colleagues don't think you're playing Minecraft when you're in the office. <laughs> I can just blame it on the weather data or temperature data. That's fine. Get <laughs> yeah. away with it. <laughs> Definitely work. Definitely. Definitely work. Okay, so uh, I mean, we've touched we've touched on you know such a variety of different uh, topics and sort of elements of imagery, which I think hopefully is really useful for for those listening. And I think one of the key resources that I wanted to point people towards was uh, just this this year we did uh, both a uh, annual conference and a box set, which we did virtually through our website. Um, and if anyone wants to basically check out a bit more about imagery and the certain topics that we've discussed today, I, I think that's probably one of the best places to go and check it out because I know the conference we we did, uh, there was a really good presentation from Claire about ArcGIS image, um, which she showed a really nice example of how you can use it. And then in the box set video, there's, there's definitely a handful of different imagery related topics um, that you can definitely learn a little bit more about. Um, but but either either of you got any more resources that you would like to share um, with anyone listening? My favourite place is the Imagery Workflows website. So it's just had a bit of an overhaul. It looks amazing. And it's basically a one-stop shop for all imagery best practice. So if you're struggling with something or you want to know the best way to manage the different types of imagery, that's definitely the place I would head to. I think from my side, as always, it's, you know, you using the resources available to you from the Esri Learn Paths and things like that. Um, I know there's been an imagery MOOC in the past as well. So a massive online um, course. Um, they're not running one at the moment, but you can put it onto your wish list so that, you know, when they do run one, you can get notified about it. Um, and those courses are really good. They're over, you know, several weeks, so you don't have to do everything all in one go. Um, but, you know, really useful lessons that you can learn and then utilize in your own day-to-day -day work or, you know, even if you're just interested in it and you normally don't have to touch imagery at all. And they're free. So it's a win-win. Yes. Everyone loves something free. Awesome then. So hopefully everyone listening has learned as much about imagery as I have. I kind of came into this episode with fairly minimal knowledge. So it's been really good to talk to you both, um, but particularly Zoe, you've got far more knowledge on this area than, than Beth or I. So it's been really good to have you. And thank you to everyone who has been listening. Um, we'd love to hear what you think. So please do get in touch at podcast at esriuk.com. Uh, and please don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your chosen podcast channel because it actually really does make a difference. Um, so we'll hope you join us again for the next episode. And thanks for listening. The views of the presenters may differ from those of Esri UK. That's a wrap.